when we're doing the new thing, it's uncomfortable. There's no way around that for any <laughs> yeah. of us. There's a reason in our mind. I'm always talking about the subconscious and its pull or it's, it's kind of the pull that it has for us as humans to stay in the familiar. So anything that's new, even if it's logically a good, new, uncomfortable thing to do, positive being it's going to get me the result I want, it's still uncomfortable. And I haven't found any way around learning or growing without doing that uncomfortable thing. Welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben Harris, also known as the Fear Guy. My job is to help you feel more free in your life with love and relationships, self-worth, and much more. I'm happy you're here. I love you. I believe in you. Let's break free from fear together. I am beyond honored and excited to have Dr. Nicola Perra, also known as the holistic psychologist for our very first episode. We take a deep dive into her own journey of growth and healing, and believe it or not, she hated it when she first started to heal. She had mornings filled with tears and resistance, and she keeps leaning into this discomfort every single day. Enjoy this amazing conversation. Everyone, welcome to the Feeling Free Podcast. My name is Ben, Dr. Nicola Perra. How in the hell are you? <laughs> I, am, I am so great, Ben. I'm so excited that we're finally getting in real time to have a person-to-person -person mm -hmm. conversation. It feels like it's been a long time in the making, so thank you. No, thank you so much. And this, yeah, like I told you before we recorded, this really doesn't mean the world to me. And like, so first I want to tell you thank you for, on behalf of just First, me, because you've been a great example of not only like within your content, but just watching you lead by example and even in, in our communication of just like you truly like what you're teaching. I can testify to everyone listening. She's a great, um, you hold boundaries very well. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you. And actually, thank you very emphatically to that mm -hmm. boundary comment, because those of you who Maybe I've been following my work. Maybe if you haven't, um, I'm here to share with you that boundaries were non-existent, uh, quite literally, in my life, in many of my most all of my relationships, actually, <laughs> and in most of my professional relationships thus far. So boundaries are a new thing for me. Uh, so thank you for acknowledging mm -hmm. the work I have been doing. Um, they're not easy. No, for real. And so when you do that still to this day, do you still get like, is your heart race or is it easier now or like? What comes up when you're sending emails yeah. or verbally doing that? Depends. Depends. Right. I mean, there's different, uh, there's different variations depending. I, I guess some factors that it would depend on or how close is this person to me? How important mm. right, is this relationship or is this request for me? Because that's the thing. We still might want to, in our relationships, have a limit or put up a boundary. So the boundary is even if you know, we really care and want to be doing different in that moment just because we, quite, we can't we cannot show up in any other way or capacity or our resources, which I think is probably a lot of what's happening in the collective. Now, you know, we're feeling like our resources are being tapped out. So I say that to say, I might very well intentionally want to show up for this person, mm -hmm. you know, cause I care very deeply about them or about the relationship or about supporting whatever it is. And sometimes we just can't. Um, so Depends. The closer the person for me, the harder it is. And I still do get, I, I call them the feel bads. Um, yeah. I feel very terribly before I'm setting the boundary, when I'm setting the boundary, after I'm setting the boundary. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of scenarios, it has gotten significantly better. So especially with professional requests that are coming in, you know, when they feel a bit 
more distance from me or I don't maybe mm-hmm. know the person. There's a part of me that still wants to be able to help everyone. Uh, and I also mm-hmm. know my limits a bit more. So on those scenarios, um, I guess it w- I would describe it as not maybe as feel baddy for me. So it does get a little <laughs> easier. Those listening, pra- with practice, it, you can settle into the process. <laughs> and I should say, I've seen the benefit. So with that mm. said, I've seen the benefit on the other side within myself, just feeling like I have more to give when I do show up for relationships, which makes it, even if it is hard moving forward, it makes it worth it. Mm, I love that. That's so cool. Like, and then, I mean, on behalf of the literally millions now, right? It's plural millions. Like for real, like, I know you hear this all the time, but thank you on behalf of the world. Do you ever just like reflect and just go like, holy shit, like, what is this? I can't even most of the time, Ben, wrap my head around it, <laughs> if, if I'm it. honest, because uh, yeah. it's, it's big. It's bigger than me. I mean, it is the collective being yeah. such a part of it is, I think, overwhelming for most of us humans. For the particular human that I am, one of my really core childhood wounds, that's the language I use, mm-hmm. my like hurt points in my childhood, um, was not really feeling like I was seen and heard for kind of who I was. Now, don't get me wrong. I was celebrated in a lot of ways. I was very academically and athletically gifted. So mm-hmm. when I say this, it wasn't that I didn't get celebrated. I was seen in those ways. I was, you know, touted for my success in those ways, but not necessarily as far as I felt it for who I was. No one really sitting and thinking about or listening to my ideas or my thoughts. So now that I have millions of people seemingly (laughs) listening to me, that little childlike part of me who desperately wanted that in childhood to be seen in her for who I am outside of my Mm -hmm. accomplishments. While I want that so badly, there's (laughs) something that's so inherently uncomfortable about Mm -hmm. that. So when I now show up and I do try to wrap my head around the scope or the amount of people that are listening, it is scary as hell for that little girl (laughs) inside. So that it's so funny. We're so we're so contradictory at times, even within ourselves. The thing that we want so badly is for some of us sometimes the thing that makes us the most uncomfortable. And I know you talk a lot about fear and things mm-hmm. like that. And I think sometimes we can be so at odds even within ourselves. For real though, like when, when was the last time, and I know you probably have a lot of examples, but when was like a monumental like fear that you've had recently or in the past, whatever recent history that you feel like you've truly like overcome or stepped into? Uh, public speaking and public Mm. in the form of, well, I guess there's two levels of it. There's the public that is the virtual public speaking that I (laughs) think if we want to actually go back and I sometimes do this, I go back to my earliest video. So video for me was a living nightmare at the beginning of this journey. (laughs) I was someone who really didn't even Mm. like pictures of myself. If you caught me candid and I looked cute, I would be like, Oh, cool. (laughs) Tag tag me. Right. But (laughs) I was not the person posing for pictures. So just, you know, kind of virtually putting myself out there and public speaking, because that's a version of it in a way has been challenging all along. Mm -hmm. I think if we're honest though, something about virtual and maybe only seeing a number in the corner, Mm -hmm. dissolve that a little bit. You know, really I'm talking to a screen, really maybe there's one other person on the other side of it. I can almost delete the fact of those numbers so what I mean when I say public speaking is like when I've done a, a, an in-person meditation and hundreds of people have been sitting in front of me or 
kind of the speaking engagements that are now coming my way. Yeah. Um, so the, I guess the first one was the first meditation I did out here in LA before I was living here where hundreds of people came to a beach and were now physically present so I could see the numbers. <laughs> and that was scary as shit to me. I happened you- to be doing inner child meditation, which was really appropriate. So I got to tell everyone how scared my inner child was in that very moment. Um, and then I walked through that fear and I did it anyway. That's so amazing. I love that. So you were just straight up like terrified, terrified. I never, spo- <laughs> I had never been, I had never spoken on a microphone. I mean, outside of my little microphone that I podcast with like a, a really? microphone that blasts out the public. Never. I, that was the first time I brought it up to the beach. I plugged it in and that was the first time I heard my voice on a microphone. I was scared. Good for least. you. That's so cool. Like I love that story actually. Um, that's super cool. Do you, do you reflect like, so for you personally, how do you reflect on the wins and the progress that you've made, whether it's the public speaking thing or the boundaries thing or whatever else you're working on? Because for people like you and me and a lot of people listening, it's, we're going, we're doing the work. We're like improving constantly. How do you like focus on kind of checkpointing that progress in? Yeah. Noticing it. I think that's a really Mm -hmm. big part of it. So when you're, when you're doing something new, it's really, really uncomfortable. And as far as I see it, we can, while some of us like to visualize doing this new thing and all of those tools can be really helpful in successfully executing the new thing. When we're doing the new thing, it's uncomfortable. There's no way around that for any <laughs> yeah. of us. There's a reason in our mind, I'm always talking about the subconscious and its pull or it's, it's kind of the pull that it has for us as humans to stay in the familiar. So anything that's new, even if it's logically a good new uncomfortable thing to do positive being it's going to get me the result I want. It's still uncomfortable. And I haven't found any way around learning or growing without doing that uncomfortable thing. There's no way like, you know, I can visualize all I want, but at some point I'm going to be in that situation and I'm going to have to show up differently. So teaching and, and living like kind of just understanding the process of growing. It is through discomfort. It is through, through doing the hard stuff. And then when we're on the other side of it, I find incredible value and have always urged clients when I used to do individual client work to notice because mm-hmm. we get so used to ourselves that even if we've celebrated a win and we've walked through discomfort, we just kind of establish a new normal before we even realize it. So true. So before we know it, we lose sight of how far we've come. So I've made it a point in my own journey and still do mm-hmm. to take those moments of, especially when I'm doing something now that is new and I'm noticing oh, this feels a little bit easier this time. Cool. I could just keep it moving or I could say, wow, there was a time when it didn't feel as easy and just take that one second to celebrate the win of it. And I think that's really helpful, especially for people who are kind of constantly making, maybe having those wins for themselves because before we know it, like I said, we just, everything becomes our new normal and we lose sight of where we've come from. And it can be really motivating to remind ourselves of how far we've come. Well, that's so true. I love that <clears throat> because it can be exhausting being so conscious. I think I've heard you saying yes. that. <laughs> well, it, it quite, yeah. there's a reason too. I mean, calorically mm. using that lobe of our brain, it's a different, it's, it's called the prefrontal cortex. Um, mm-hmm. Those of you science people that are interested, <laughs> but the short yeah. of it is it actually needs more calories. Like there's a lot of reasons why, especially because I talk a lot about consciousness we're exhausted when we become conscious. I mean, from the most minimal, simple reason <laughs> yeah. is you're actually are tiring your body out in a new way. You're using wow. more energy to all of the other reasons why, of course. So we were kind of planning on, I mean, we just flow with it anyway, but I kind of want, I want, I want to talk about shame because as we evolve as humans, I feel like 
And I'd love whether it's personally or just your observations with the collective, like, is there typically more judgment on ourselves as we wake up? Like, do we judge our less woke selves? Like, what are your I thoughts think, on that? I think we do it. Um, I think there's two major pathways of judgment. Um, outside of, I'm going to throw out a big universal. A lot of us have some version of a critical judging voice mm-hmm. inside of us. So more often than not, we find ourselves judging something about ourselves more often than not, not positively. Um, I talk about our inner critical voice a lot. I talk about all the kind of conditioned and exper- experiential ways that we've developed it. But I say that to say that I, I find us humans quite critical of ourselves. So a big universal, I don't think, you know, any of us doesn't have a moment where we're beating ourselves up. And the two moments, I think, or the, the kind of categories, patterns that I see in myself and the collective is when we're unconscious, right? Mm. When we are living, because part of the reason I became so inspired to shift the way that I'm working is I started to notice a theme, a particular word or concept that was coming up in my clients. And when I looked at my own life, it was, it resonated with me too. And that the concept or the word that I kept hearing spoken or described was this version of stuck, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) People who see themselves living these patterns, whether or not it's how they show up in the world or in their relationships or in their minds, whatever it is that aren't serving them. Right. So these are people that are living. I mean, the way i view and conceptualize it is those that conditioning that patterning is in that subconscious they're in what i call autopilot so they're not yet fully awoke but there might be moments right where they look back and they see these patterns aren't serving them and maybe they even kind of formulate the things that they would want to do differently to shift their life in a positive way yet they Mm. can't and this is what i would see in my practice so week after week we would have conversations, right? Maybe from, from that conscious place of our mind. This is why I think therapy, I'm not, I don't ever think that, I think therapy is an important component for many of us, but I think that we need additional tools outside of the therapy room. Why? Mm. So we come in, I can have a very insightful conversation with my client. We could even problem shoot. Okay, this is what we're going to do next, next time to break this pattern. Yet that next Tuesday at 11, I get a report of those same fights that are happening, Mm. right? Really a lot of shame would come up. So in addition to frustration and, you know, all the negative consequences that would come for that person based on that negative patterning also would come a lot of shame because why can't I do better? They didn't make progress or something. Why can't, you know, I know better. Why can't I do better? Or maybe it's Mm. not even in a therapy room. Maybe it's just my friends are saying, Hey, like, don't do that anymore. And I'm saying, Mm. yeah, you're right, friend. I shouldn't do that anymore. (laughs) Yet I do it, right? Shame Mm. moment. So I think when we're living largely in autopilot before we really start to heal, um, that can be really shameful because we are stuck. We're living this autopilot. Maybe there's a part of us that knows it's not serving us, but we own the responsibility. We, we take it to mean something negative about ourselves, or our lack of ability to change. We take to mean something negative about ourselves. I'm not worthy. Mm. I can't do it. I'm not lovable, whatever it is. And then another kind of, uh, I think, pathway of shame comes as we begin to heal and become more and more conscious, we're now seeing ourselves. We're seeing our patterns. We're seeing our beliefs. We're seeing the way we show up in our relationships so much more clearly. And with that can come another, I think, wave of shame, you know, <laughs> especially if for some of us, we know where some of those patterns have come from. We can feel very, very shameful. On the other side of that, and this is what I urge, can come mm. such empowerment. You know, I think through both of these processes, the work is to 
kind of break that habit of owning it and to understand why we are stuck in the ways we're stuck, why or where our conditioning has come from, but also to empower ourselves to change it because I believe that's possible for each and every one of ourselves. So to, to mm. shift from or evolve from I'm shameful, I can't change because there's something wrong with me to, oh, I understand why I'm stuck and I can change and it has nothing to do with me. Mm, that's super powerful. Would you say that's the differences you, you saw in your clients of the ones who shifted and who didn't shift? That's the evolution. And I think it's, mm. there's no timeline, you know, but that's yeah. kind of where we go from. We go from a point of, of stuck, of lacking understanding to understanding empowerment to a pathway of how to change. So while the conditioning or the reasons why I'm stuck maybe weren't my response or weren't my fault, right? These, a lot of them, for a lot of us, developed when I was dependent. I was a young child. I actually couldn't do anything different. <laughs> as far as I see it, as now an adult, it is my responsibility to find my way forward and to develop some ha habits that serve me better. I love that. So you said responsibility. How have you seen, I'm curious, how have you seen have you seen any deflecting of responsibility of like with these tools of power? Because it's like, you said you are responsible, like, but it's not your fault. Like, do we deflect responsibility sometimes? Like, Hey, like this isn't me. It's you, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've done that pretty much my whole life. Uh, I was someone who I call externalized, right? I found whether it was the person, you know, who wronged me or the environment that if it could be different, I would be happier, you know, I even went down to, so I, I, I share so often and I share my story so often because I've lived this evolution. Mm -hmm. So for as long as I can remember before I went through my own kind of dark night of the soul, birthing into my own healing journey, I was someone who, whether or not we were talking about how my physical body functioned, you know, I believed that I was gifted or not gifted with certain genetics and that that would dictate my body's capabilities. Mm -hmm the gift of my relationship history is I happen to have a partner right now who could not be more opposite in so many ways. So when her and I first met, she was a big challenge for me. So whether it was the way I saw how her body looked or how her body functioned, mm. she was a moment where I would tell myself, okay, her life looks like this or her body, whatever it is, she's like this because of something that's out of my control. So say for instance, her genetics gifted her with this and my genetics have left me looking like this. And this goes for person. I mean, the list really went on. Mm. So I was someone who just thought that there were certain things about my life that I couldn't change, whether, again, it was how my body functioned, whether it was my personality. I'm kind of quoting this. <laughs> really, I, only, I understand mm. personality as conditioning, but I believe that, oh, this is just how I was. I can't change that. Mm. You know, I'm not joyful or gleeful. And this is my true story. Like wow. I thought I was someone who just wasn't happy often. You know, I didn't have interest. I wasn't create. I told myself all of these scenarios, again, contrasting them with my partner. So I went wow. from, I lived an experience of thinking I was limited, whether it was because of things that were just inside, really simplified that were unchangeable and, or whether or not it was just things outside, right? This was the family I grew up in. So mm, these mm -hmm. things were just how they were for me, or this is how I am in relate, right? How they were for me. So I did a lot of that, what I call kind of externalizing, you know, kind of limiting mm -hmm. myself. So a big part of my journey was empowering myself. And I could tell you that I actually, when I say that I believe we all can change in, in any way, I, I mean that now because I live that because I'm not that person That's anymore. So cool. I have empowered myself to make those changes 
I've seen those changes and I've broke down those limitations because I've changed. So it, 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 I say that and I share this. And when I talk about kind of living, living reactively or feeling like the world is, you know, impacting me in a way and making me powerless, I'm talking from the lived experience of feeling that myself and of coming to a place of greater agency. Thank you for sharing that. Like, but Nicole, like we still don't like, we see you, right? We see you now. And it's like how we can't get there. Mm-hmm. It's like, because we like, we really do feel that, you know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. for the people who are listening, who's like, she's a guru, she's an expert. Like, what would you say to those people? Like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, no. I mean, and I got here through, you'll, anyone who listens to my work always is probably hearing me talk about this concept of small daily promises. You know, because I would have thought the same thing. I did say the same thing about myself. I had no idea or expectation of what was going to happen when I went online. I had no idea that this is what the platform would evolve into. Um, So I, you know, we don't, it's not like I came on and was just like expecting this to happen or, or that it even happened overnight. And, you know, when I talk about this healing, I assure you my healing did not happen overnight. And it's still, you know, I'm still, I'm going to be evolving and healing Mm -hmm. for the rest of my time here. Um, So, you know, I say that to say with those small changes, you know, it didn't happen overnight for me. I didn't come to this level of empowerment. I didn't, you know, have all of these tools and I definitely didn't use the tools when I had them, when I knew about them for a good (laughs) long time. So, you know, it's, it's a gradual evolution. And that's, I think one of the more difficult things for us humans, especially us humans that are suffering in any way, we want to feel better. Of course we do. So a lot of the times I do get people who, you know, when the change doesn't happen fast enough, we use that as our further reasoning, you know, or further evidence of our lacking. And that's, mm. I assure you, just not the case. So kind of piggybacking on what we were talking about earlier, notice making the small progress that is often frustrating, making those small <laughs> daily promises, but noticing along the way. So we're not going to kind of come into what we want to happen overnight. But if we can, like you and I were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. acknowledge our progress along the way, we can at least keep ourselves motivated to continue to keep those promises. So what I say mm-hmm. to those people is, you know, I know I felt the same way, you know, and, and it, you would, you will be really surprised at how much you can, you know, shift a lot of your life, all of your life in those small ways each day. That's awesome. All right, everyone. If you're feeling like, Holy crap, I want to feel like that. I want to feel like Dr. Nicole and learn how to embrace those uncomfortable moments and begin to make the small changes. Then I invite you to join me and other students at the Freedom School. It's a private group with weekly group coaching calls. Our lessons cover a range of topics such as how to handle the fear of uncertainty, how to find your purpose, how to write powerful affirmations to create your ideal life, and we even cover our relationship with money. It's an amazing community that helps you live more freely and fully, and you will receive immediate access to the lessons, the hours of lessons in our library when you sign up. Click the link in the show notes or go to feeling-free.com slash membership to sign up and begin your freedom journey. So go to the link in the show notes or go to feeling-free.com slash membership. And before we get back to this amazing combo, I'm doing something that I've never done for this special inaugural Feeling Free episode. When you subscribe to this podcast and you leave a review, I want you to take a screenshot of your review and tag me and Dr. Nicole on Instagram. Once you do this, 
I will grant you a seven-day free trial to the Freedom School as a thank you for listening. All you got to do is take a screenshot, post it on Instagram, then tag me at the fear guy and Dr. Nicole at the holistic psychologist, and you will get a seven-day free trial, which I'm so excited to see you there. I know you'll love it. And if you have a private account, make sure you send me a message because I won't see it otherwise. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Now back to this amazing, incredibly enjoyable, awesome conversation. I think I've heard you say that you felt like your life wasn't hard growing up. Is that true? Do I remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. So yes. why did you why did you feel that way, even though you said, because you name a lot of things of you were in a constant state of anxiety, you know, like you weren't recognized for these things. And like, did you like, why didn't you think your life was hard in quotes yeah so a big because so this is where the anxiety piece i've known anxiety for as long as i can remember Mm -hmm. Uh, my family is a very anxious system i call them a system because this is where boundaries comes into play (laughs) why i didn't have any of them um we were what is called in the field meshed or codependent which really just means the whole system functions as one so while there for me in my family system was a mom, a dad, and a sister. I have a brother, but he was out of the system a bit more, mm. right? While there were four individuals, quote unquote, it, we function as a system, mm. you know? So when someone, when the system or one person was stressed, and I say stress very specifically, because stress was our, our, unique, our family um, emotion that we typically felt. So when, say, mom was stressed, the whole family was stressed. So we kind of mm. roll, that's kind of what enmeshment, what and it was, looks like. And was she just stressed for just cause or like... Life. No. So my, my mom has a long history of anxiety, um, mm. was raised with really emotionally unavailable parents. So was not equipped uh, to handle it. She suffered a traumatic loss of her father mm. when she was in her early twenties. And then my older sister who's in that system, who's 15 years older than me oh, was wow. chronic, chronically ill. So my mother had a lifetime of health related anxiety caring exacerbated or made worse by caring for my chronically mm. ill sister. And then 15 years later, um, I am now 37. So how, 37 years ago, right. My mother was 42 when she came to find out that she was pregnant with me, mm. which made her really, and she was, you know, Catholic uh, pro-life enough that there was no question that she was having me. But at that time there was a lot of concern that I would be in particular, they were concerned about down syndrome diagnosis mm. for me. Cause back then we weren't yet sure about women in that older age having kids. Anyway, so long story short, I was raised with a lot of cortisol and adrenaline and all of the hormones of anxiety. And why this matters and why I share this is being ill-equipped, being dependent on my caregivers, my mother in particular, to help me regulate my emotions, having an emotionally unavailable mother because she couldn't regulate her own emotions because her mother was emotionally unavailable. Right? So I'm just illustrating mm-hmm. how this goes back in time. <laughs> She left me really alone, not ill-intented. She didn't know she was even doing it. She probably didn't even know I was anxious to yeah. deal with my own anxiety. And when you're a child, that's completely overwhelming. But something else that we're gifted with as humans, humans is incredible adaptability. So I made it work. And the way that my little child system dealt with something that was too overwhelming for it was it disconnected or dissociated is a word that I think some of us are coming to know a little more in the collective, which just means I kind of distanced myself from my physical body where Mm. my emotions are housed and from my emotions in particular. And something interestingly I heard growing up a lot within my family, they would always comment that, oh, nothing ever bothers Nicole. Mm. And that was true. I felt like, so this is where this comes in. Okay. Okay. I had an easy life that coupled with 
academics came easy to me. And mm. academics, unfortunately, for some of us who had difficulty in schools, are a big part of our developing life. I mean, we spend the most of our time there. So that was easy. And I succeeded and I got good grades. And my mom, the person I wanted love from the most, celebrated mm. me. So that felt easy. Sports became a new thing, another thing in my life that was quite easy. I was, I was good. I was gifted. And I got a lot of you know, accolades for being it. So before I knew it, I looked around. I have what we call a privileged existence. I never mm -hmm. wanted for anything. My mother, because she didn't know really how to love me emotionally, would give me the things I wanted. So I, I was spoiled in some ways. I got a lot of things. So hmm. when I say my childhood was easy, it was because I looked around and I wasn't seeing or, you know, in my life, the things that I heard about that were really bad. I was so disconnected from my emotions that while I knew stress and anxiety, everything else I felt pretty okay about. Hmm. Um, so that's why for so long and probably up until I really began healing. You'll hear me tell two different, you would hear me kind of pre-healing and post-healing talk about my childhood uh, very differently. So the way I understand it is I, I would say my childhood was easy because it was in some ways and because I was so disconnected from the rest of my emotional world to have felt it, to have felt the feelings. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's, and where were you in your journey where it became like as you progressed in age that it became like more difficult or like, where was that point where like that you felt like true resistance to what, what, what became more difficult. So of, so childhood was quote unquote easy. And then as you aged, you know, life became more difficult. Like when did you notice that? Yeah. Uh, I would say my early twenties, um, yeah. I had just graduated from college um, and was living in New York city. And at that time, my mom started to have my mom who was also chronically ill somewhat. She's had chronic pain, um, unidentified for as long as I can remember. Of course, mm -hmm. I kind of understand that as part of her emotional repression, mm -hmm. you know, all of it kind of is connected. Uh, she, so she's always had kind of underlying, she's had heart problems, but nothing really serious. But in my early twenties, she was hospitalized and had to have a pretty serious heart surgery. Mm. So this health anxiety that for me and really my whole family was underneath the surface was now more quote unquote real, if you will. Like my mom was hospitalized. So I was living in New York, a very anxiety provoking city. Um, for those of yeah. us who are familiar with New York City and the energy, <laughs> right? I was just starting grad school. I was just out of college, which can be really stabilizing, destabilizing for a lot of us kind of on our own. Mm -hmm. And my mom was having health issues. And there was probably about a good year in New York where I would, I would walk the streets crying. Oh, I would wow. be having anxiety attacks. That's when I really, that's when I entered, actually, that's when I made the decision to enter the conventional medical system, medical system to, to try to treat my anxiety. That's when I started to go to therapy. And that's when I got on um, medication, uh, the SSRI and the benzo medication to try and treat it. So that was a really big spike um, when so things started to actually leak out symptom-wise mm. and feel not good. Like I said, leak out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, then, and then that became another, you know, then I just kind of went right into, okay, well, this is that anxiety I knew I had. You know, my, the things that I was complaining about too at this time having no energy, you know, kind of feeling always a little foggy. I need 12 cups of coffee to get through my day. You know, now yeah. I'm marching through my 20s before I know it, I'm nearing my 30s. And I'm not really surprised that I'm feeling that way, Ben, because 
all of my friends are too. So mm. now I'm creating a narrative where, well, this must be what 30 looks like. I mean, shit, I don't really see many 30 people. I mean, I didn't have friends that, at that point that were in their 30s, like feeling great, you know? <laughs> so I was starting to compare myself with, I think everyone else is, um, this regulation. Wow. I think a lot of us. So before I knew it, I just thought this was what life was. And I started to rationalize um, just under functioning in all of the ways. So I would say I like once that kind of peak hit in my twenties, everything was kind of just stewing there for me until mm. again in my mid thirty or early thirties, I should say, um, when I call it my dark night of the soul, when things really came crashing to a halt, when physical symptoms actually got scary for me. Yeah. And then that inspired my whole healing. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Like that's I love how you talked about you thought that's just what it looked like yeah that's a big part of it and I think a lot of us feel that way because mm. a lot of us are, are you know struggling with those same symptoms and we do come to think that this is just how human bodies feel because we're so adaptable yeah <laughs> interesting and so was it the medical um issues that kind of like woke you up was that the, like for yourself personally yeah. So what had started to happen was, um, I started to faint and I had never oh, fainted, wow. um, ever. And that was, that was pretty scary. Um, I don't know anyone out there who's fainted. It's really scary. And then the gift of fainting is you get fearful of fainting. So anytime you have a, like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a little bit dizzy. You think you're going, you think you're going to go down. I started to also, uh, forget my sentence and that we all have a normal amount of, oh, I was talking and my mind drifted off. But there was a couple mm. times, one in particular, when I was in a session with a long-term client where I, I had, it's just, it's really hard to describe verbally, but it was the feeling of, I couldn't normally when I'm, when I forget my sentence, I can just like kind of grab onto something yeah. else and like, kind of like find my way out of it, especially <laughs> if a client's in yeah. front of me, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh my God. This time, I, it was as if my mind and I could not like come up with a word wow. to the extent that I had to tell the client what was happening. I got all like kind of like flustered. I brought myself. Anyway, after those sort of symptoms started happening, I, as many of us do, especially those of us with health anxiety, I took to Google, mainly trying to, at this point, I was convinced that something was physically wrong with me because mm. of the really physical nature of the symptoms at this point. And of course I located it in my brain. So my first intention was, okay, something's wrong. What's happening. And then in my research, just give a name to what was going on with me. I really dove down some rabbit holes of what I was defining at that point to be some really important information that I had never come across in terms of the human body and the human nervous system and all of the ways that we could have or be suffering imbalances that are causing our symptoms. And that's before I even dove into kind of the psychological and the traumas and the wounds that many of us carry. My first, I think, evolution was, whoa, my body is really dysregulated and uh -huh. I need to figure out how to make some lifestyle changes to get my body to, to just make sure that I'm, I'm strengthening, you know, and making sure that I'm in the healthiest body that I can be in the byproduct of making those changes. Again, they did not happen overnight, right? I didn't just change my lifestyle. And the next day my life looked completely different. <laughs> I, I hated this. I mean, it started with, you know, changing my, my nutrition a little by little. It started by, you know, making uh, my, wake time a little bit earlier so that I could have mm. a morning routine and getting to bed a little bit earlier, right? So everything happened gradually. 
And this is why I'm so passionate about including the body in psychology and, you know, mental wellness. When I started to get those things in order, I actually started to notice a change in how I felt emotionally wow. around my anxiety in particular. And this is before I even dove into the whole world of, if you follow my work, inner child and all yeah. of the wounds and all of the, I did not yet even know I was enmeshed and codependent and boundaryless at this point. So, but that gave me enough hope and enough relief in my anxiety and gave me some energy that I had never felt I had back that that really started to highlight for me the importance of talking about the whole picture of being a human. The fact that we are a mind and a body, and in my opinion, a spirit or a soul, whatever you want to call it, that there are a lot to us that was in my schooling and in my personal experience, not, not um, taught to me. Mm. And that's when I started to realize and have a really hard conversation with myself professionally that I had to think about changing the way that I was working um, with my clients too. Man, I love that so much. And you said that you hated it. <laughs> oh my God, I, I went kicking. So back to that partner of uh -huh. mine. Uh, she, we joke, I call myself a turtle. Um, and she, because I, I don't, when change is mm -hmm. presented to me, I, I don't mind change. You know, I'm not like someone who's like, no, I will not stay. I will stay the same. My whole life. I'll, I'll consider it. But I, I joke, I'm like, I dip my toe in, I yeah. try it on, I tantrum a little bit. And then yeah. she, my partner is like, she will make the decision. And tomorrow, I mean, that joke about tomorrow, she will change and never go back into that old way. So it was very challenging in the beginning um, for our relationship because mm -hmm. we were healing, you know, on or around the same timeline. And she was very much like, you know, get up, like the alarm would go off and she'd pop out of bed. And yeah. I'm like, I, I hate you. I hate this. I'm not doing it. I'm running yeah. away. So um, it was definitely, uh, I went kicking and screaming. And again, that's why I talk about it. So when I say mm -hmm. I get it, change is hard. I get it. I spent so many mornings crying over, wow. you know, during my morning routines. I didn't want to be awake and I didn't want to be doing this. And, you know, I didn't yet see the benefit, but I started to see it. Uh, early enough along the way in small ways because um, wow. I taught myself to look that kept me that kept me going that's so cool thank you for sharing that like so how long have you guys been in a relationship or and I've been together for seven years that's amazing that right and yeah. then you guys said you mentioned that you were healing together yeah so we kind of more or less around the same timeline, a little bit off, went through a dark night kind of separately mm -hmm. together and then both kind of in, which I am eternally grateful yeah, for. So anyone cool. listening, if you don't have, you know, a partner or if your partner, cause I get these questions a lot. Well, what do I do if my partner's not interested yeah. or not going to heal or, you know, whatever it may or may not be, um, can healing still happen? And my answer is overwhelmingly yes. You know, it takes you to do the internal work and change and, oftentimes the relationship itself can change. You don't need to have, you know, a someone else. Um, I just know that I am, I'm grateful that I had that someone else because also at the time um, I was living in Philly when, right. you know, kind of my dark night happened and I wasn't really feeling super connected to the relationships um, that I had there. I was starting to feel a little more disconnected from all of those long-term relationships that I was operating in. So the, you know, so gratefully that I, that I had a person um, that got it. And that was a big motivator, Ben, honestly, for me going online initially was to connect mm. with other people. So outside of my partner, who I am eternally grateful for that her and I could speak the same language and we're coming to these understandings. I didn't have anyone else around me um, that got it, uh, that were making the changes and that had this language. So 
when I started to consider, oh, this virtual world exists and social media, <laughs> like how might I use this? My intentions were really twofold. The first was I wanted to have a platform where I could start to speak about this new truth of holistic psychology because I didn't see anyone else doing it. When you're, you and I were chatting before this started, I told you I was floored when the handle was still even <laughs> yeah. available. I mean, that's really a testament to, yeah. I think I probably got it a couple months before I went live, you know, to two plus years ago, holistic psychology, like wasn't even like, no one so even cool. wanted the handle of it on Instagram. Like, cause it really wasn't a thing. Um, so that was my first intention is I wanted to start to talk about holistic psychology. I was fearful about how my peers in the field would react I bet. Um, to this new thing that I know they probably didn't know about yeah. or hear about before either. Um, I fear that they would be threatened or think I was crazy or, you know, trying to take business away from the system. And I'm Did not that doing happen? Did that happen? That. No, overwhelmingly, um, the response from my peers and other practitioners is overwhelmingly positive. That's um, amazing. I, I have, you know, I offer individualized mentorship sessions and I'll work with, you know, different practitioners to update their practice or to talk social media and I'll do all of that now. Um, eventually I'm opening up a, a membership for practitioners and I want to offer some coursework cause I'm not going to oh, wait cool. for the university systems to, you know, kind of update. I want to start to get these tools out there. Um, there are every now and again, you know, a practitioner or two who have an opinion, um, about yeah. my work otherwise. So I'm not going <laughs> to you know, paint a picture that, you know, everyone's like rolling out the red carpet for me, but you know, more, more overwhelming relief, Ben. These are people who were feeling like I did. It's incredibly disempowering to be sitting in a room with an individual who, while I don't believe it is a practitioner's job to fix someone, it is quite, that is the nature of the relationship to find healing. And when (laughs) when both, right, when both parties in the room are operating with limited tools, it's really frustrating to be that practitioner too. And I have a lot of ones that knew or had started to learn about their holistic world in their own healing or had met different tools mm. outside of their programs that were like me that were like, Oh shit, this is important. Why, how can I use this? So positive. And then the other, my other intention with going online was to find other people, to see if other people were healing, to find communities where people got it. Um, because I know, and I talk a lot about this, can be really lonely healing for a lot of reasons because a lot of us are a we're just making different choices with our lifestyle i mean i'm not at the happy hour anymore i'm not i'm not i can't even concerts that start at 8 p.m don't (laughs) don't don't see me in attendance anymore right that's different though you know Mm -hmm. like you meet someone and they want to go and take you to a concert and i'm in bed you know so (laughs) i mean there's some like logistical things that Mm -hmm. make it hard i think for us to maintain those connections some of us reevaluate our relationships as we evolve because we come to realize, right, that those ways of being that we used to operate in in our relationships maybe aren't fully serving us. Doesn't mean we end them. It just might mean they look different or they feel different to us mm. now. So a lot of us, you know, for that reason too, are feeling emotionally lonely or are not able to talk about this deeper stuff to people who get it. So the gift of the self-healers community online, and I call call it a gift and a community that we've now all co-created, has been we all have a space now worldwide, which blows my mind, that we can share the same language and relate to people in this new way. And that to me is the most inspiring aspect of everything that kind of has been evolving for me over these past two years. I love that. What's been like a really cool story that has just blown your mind over the past couple of years? 
what's one that sticks out that's just like wow I can't believe this happened like whether it's a healing story or just something that you yeah heard. I think I mean everything that's happened just in my uh-huh. own kind of personal opportunity or professional opportunities has been mind-blowing to me I mean the fact that I'm sitting here now talking to you from my new place in LA that, you know, like all of this that has come to be, I'm just always mind blown that this is, you know, what life looks like for me and the people I get to connect with and the opportunities that I'm given. So pretty much on a daily basis, um, I have those like wow moments in terms of the opportunities. The fact that I'm writing a book, I mean, Jesus, you know, the really, (laughs) thank you. The list goes on in terms of healing. I mean, I have, I, I could, I spend so much time, you know, sometimes meeting messages and comments. I, I chills. I could get Love chills it. from some of the, the content and the contact, I should say, that I get from people, the messages of their own healing journey, the journeys that start. I always highlight um, one of my community members named Allie because she is such an inspirational story. She started a change, a healing journey based on a small daily promise. So those small promises that mm. I was talking about earlier of one glass of water. And she has quite literally healed physical symptoms that she was struggling with. She's cultivating a new singing career. She's had some relationship opportunities. I mean, so from one glass of water, as I was saying earlier, this is a human who she's still healing. You know, she's still like all of us has a lifetime of a journey to go, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I like to bring her up because I really like to illustrate there is no promise that's too small to get you motivated toward change. Cause for her, it was a glass of water and watching the change that has come from that is mind blowing. Wow. That's so cool. Like, so was she not drinking water before? I guess she didn't drink enough water as she, <laughs> as she thought she wanted to. It was like, kind of like, yeah. I guess it, I think it for her was encaptured in this idea of a morning routine. So yeah. it was twofold. It was, I'm going to wake up and the first thing I'm going to do maybe before I even go on my phone is have a glass of water. So it was probably right. like she needed a little water and I think she wanted like the first thing to do in the mornings, that's helpful. Again, I hate it mornings. If you ask my dad about me in high school and mornings, um, the wars that my household had seen in mornings mm-hmm. because I did not do well with them. We'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. So, but I understand now for me, mornings, the first choice I make when I open my eyes, if it's a choice for me where I'm meditating or doing breath work or journaling, right? Something that's for me is going to shift the way I enter my day as opposed to if I wake up and I'm answering that email. Because now I've already allowed something outside of me to possibly uh, dictate how I feel or how I enter in my day. So I've learned the value in addition to the fact that I can get a lot of thinking and creativity done for me in the mornings before my day kind of goes elsewhere. Um, But I think there's something special about the choice that we make. And if we do make a choice for us, first thing, um, that can really, really go a long way of how we enter our day. That's amazing. That's cool. Like, so for you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, like, when do you feel like the most free? What does that mean to you? Like, what does freedom mean in your life? um, I love that because you know what, Ben, freedom has been a word that has resonated for me Mm. um, as long as I can remember. I probably have lived most of my life feeling the farthest thing from free, um, but it's all I've ever desperately wanted. So freedom for me means um, the agency or the ability to have a choice and to make whatever choice it is. So whether or not it's like, oh, I like this thing and I want to buy it, you know, do I have enough financial freedom to buy the thing without, you know, causing myself undue stress? Or can I choose how I want to spend my time in this moment? Yeah. Do I have time freedom? Or is that dictated by something outside of myself? Um, am I free from just internal distraction? Can I 
find that freedom that sometimes that we don't self-generate that but we choose to you know engage with the moment that's happening so for me freedom has so much um, but for me it's, it's choice it's having the empowerment to be able to say this is what i want in this moment as opposed to this is what i should do or i have mm. to do or i feel compelled to do or i have no choice but to do um it's really i think choice i love that um what else like is on your heart right now like what do you feel compared or inspired to share for people who may be stuck or less free or don't have choice yeah i mean i just see because i founded myself that empowered space you know i just want to my message and on my heart to everyone especially particularly those who don't feel that they were given the gift of this empowerment that I assure you it's in there, that we can mm-hmm. build in habits, small ones, ones that maybe start with a glass of water each day where we can start to shift and gain our power back because so many of us feel so disempowered, so powerless, have quite honestly been living a very reactive life. A lot of us have. I mean, when we feel a victim, if you will, to the environment, there's a reality in that because we are because things are happening around us. And our choices are being made for us by that subconscious. So we've actually removed us in many ways from the equation. So people out there that are feeling disempowered, that are feeling like there is no path back to having agency or gaining that choice that I'm talking about, I assure you there is. And it starts so Mm. small, but the momentum that can be built is life-changing. I love that. And like for real, for me just to echo, like you truly are powerful. Yes. Like for real, it's scary. We're creators it's, and that's real. I mean, that fear, Ben, mm-hmm. a lot of us don't step into our power because yeah. it's scary as hell. <laughs> it is and scary. And I'm the first to tell you, I'm scared as hell sometimes. Like we talked about in the beginning, mm-hmm. I'm still scared as hell. And as I continue to evolve and get new opportunities, I'll still talk about how scared I am. <laughs> it's, sca- it's scary to step into our power to, to acknowledge that we are creators. So thank you for acknowledging. Mm-hmm. I think the inherent fear that sometimes or that often comes within our power. I love that. Like Dr. Nicole, thank you so much. Like this, I mean, you're amazing, but this is a special episode for me um, personally, but also this is the very first episode. So it's like a this is like a historic moment. So thank you so much for like sharing your time, um, your heart, your energy. And yeah, you're, you're truly awesome. And I mean that. Thank you so much. I I am truly honored to be a part of this historic opportunity. Mm -hmm. And and Ben, I reflect that right back to you, the work that you're putting out, Mm -hmm. the way you're showing up in the world, you're truly awesome. And you're changing so many lives. So this, like I said, is beyond, beyond my honor. Um, you're, you're making, making some changes for helping people make some changes. And that's a gift. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone. Actually, before we go, what is your membership, your self healer circle that opens really soon, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my main hub is the dot holistic dot psychologist over there Mm -hmm. on Instagram. You will hear every fun thing that we're doing. (laughs) And the latest is yes. So May 1st, we will have, so we launched the new membership with founding members on November 1st of last year, which is crazy. So they, thank you all my founding members that might be mm-hmm. listening out there. They have been very graciously helping to co-create the virtual healing space that is the Self Healer Circle. So we're feeling ready and we're going to open up for enrollment again on, I think it's a Friday, Friday, May 1st, 9 a.m. Awesome. So anyone who's interested, head over to the Instagram 
Um, you can get all information on there. There is a uh, email list that you can jump on and be alerted when enrollment happens, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the latest and the behind the scenes that I am working on in terms of another big project that I'm super excited about um, is the book. So I'm writing a book. Uh, we're anticipating a spring 2021 release date. So again, I've been doing, which is really cool, a lot of behind the scenes yeah. um, in terms of book writing on the Instagram. So anyone who's interested in following along with my nervous breakdowns now as a writer, <laughs> uh, please yeah. come and follow. Uh, there are also a lot of highlights as well. But yeah, I often shout out the, the Instagram because that's the way to keep um, abreast with everything that's happening. Well, yeah, and you're engaging people so they can actually help you write it, which mm -hmm. is, that's like a cool. unique opportunity. Yeah. To like yeah, literally really like cool. like you are like as a like as a follower, it's like, yo, I can go to this thing and help write a book. That's dope. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. All right. Dr. Nicole, thank you so much. You're amazing. Adios. All right, my beautiful humans. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe and you write a review and then you screenshot and you tag me at the fear guy as well as Dr. Nicole at the holistic psychologist because I want to know what you think. I want to know you are listening and as a thank you, I will give you a seven day free trial to the freedom school so you can live more freely, more fully, free of limitations, free of fear, free of doubt and embrace your gifts, embrace the moment, embrace the life that you get to create. I'll see you there, my beautiful friend. At the end of each episode, I will be sharing a fear to freedom story from one of my phenomenal students, phenomenal clients that I work one-on-one -on -one with who are empowering themselves and transforming into freedom and ease and were once living in fear. So today's fear to freedom story is with we will call them Angela. And the first conversation that I had with Angela was full of phrases like these that I'll read you of what she said. I am afraid of not being loved by someone, not getting that real connection. I have a huge, huge fear of not finding that person. I'm fearful that I won't have that special connection. I'm scared of not being good enough for that person. I have to do everything or else I feel guilty. I'm afraid of slowing down and I like lots of stimulation. It's really hard for me to slow down. And I'm really good at taking care of other people, but I'm terrified of talking and taking care of myself. And it's really hard for me to ask for help. Like I hate, hate, hate asking for help. So as you can hear, she was suffocated by fear. And the root of her fear was not being good enough, which is most people's by the way. This is similar to what Dr. Nicole was describing earlier. To receive the freedom and desired result that we want, we have to do what's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because suffering has become our normal state. We are comfortable with suffering even though it's miserable because it's become normal for us. And Angela was avoiding the fear. So therefore, she was not getting the result that she wanted. And what's crazy is just after our first conversation, just one she made incredible changes. She had been avoiding a big life project for the last 10 years. She had been thinking about this project for the last decade. And she had been subconsciously avoiding it because she knew she had to do something for herself. She didn't know why this, she didn't know why she was avoiding it, but it's because she had to do it for herself. And if you remember what I described earlier, she was terrified 
to give something back to herself. She would rather give thousands of dollars to someone else than rather give it to herself. So after our first conversation, she actually stayed up until 2 a.m. finishing that project. So after 10 years, she stayed up late finishing it after avoiding it forever. And this is so beautiful. And this is what happens. This is proof of what happens when you lean into fear. What you want is on the other side of fear. She wanted to feel free. So she had to lean what she she had to lean into what she was afraid of, have the conversation with me and delve deep into that project. And she has now made a complete tra- transformation. She is smiling with confidence, embracing her fears every day, big and little, and fears much more at ease with her future love life because she's working on fulfilling herself. And it's truly an honor to be part of this transformation. This transformational process is so beautiful. I'm grateful I get to walk it and be with Angela during it. And if this resonates with you, please go to feeling-free.com slash coaching. This is my website so you can book a call with me. Keep in mind that I only work with 10 clients at a time to ensure I give my best to each person. So if my one-on-one program is completely full, join the wait list for when it opens back up. And you can also join the Freedom School, our membership, to begin feeling free right away. So I hope that story resonated with you, whether it's with me, someone else, with yourself, so you can self-heal. I truly encourage you to delve into the fear, listen to it, love it, lean into it, and that's where you will find freedom. Thank you all for listening. I'm sending love and ease into your hearts. Have a beautiful day.